welcome to the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. Your hosts are Phil McGurk and Scott McFadden. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast is a roundtable discussion designed to bring a number of viewpoints on cleaning, carpet cleaning and restoration related topics together in one place. Well, welcome again everybody to uh, the episode 17. Today we've got a couple of special guests, so thank you very much for coming. Um, today's topic will be on growing a cleaning business, so I couldn't think of uh, two more perfect people than to bring along. So welcome Christy, welcome Maddie. how are you both? Yeah, good. Thanks for having us, Phil. Oh, great to have you. Great to see you, Phil. Yeah, good to see you too. So let's uh, let's start back um, to introduce yourself to everybody. Before you got into cleaning, nothing personal, of course, just try and keep it clean, you two. I've known you two for a while. <laughs> so if can, <laughs> just uh, if we can tell everyone a little bit about you both. Mm, where we start? Well, <sighs> before we started cleaning... Uh, I was a sales rep for Lavazza, so I've got a bit of a sales rep um, background. Yes. And Maddie, you were... I was working as a career dispatcher, uh, um, allocating work to a fleet of 90 vehicles all over the greater Brisbane area. Sounds like that's uh, treated you well for your cleaning company, actually. That's... Yeah. Absolutely. The skills absolutely crossed over and enabled us to um, put together something that works really well. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess today what we're going to talk about is, uh, I mean, I know you both have a company that employs a, a crew of people out to do domestic cleaning. Do you do commercial cleaning as well, or is it mostly domestic cleaning you do? We mainly do. Um, we mainly do uh, domestic carpets. Yes. We do. We do a small portion of commercial. Um, but we also um, do bond cleaning and pest control as well. Okay. Uh, it's a very uh, hard market to get into. And I guess that's mm. where the conversation today will hopefully lead, just for those people uh, to understand that it's uh, it's nice to have people working for you. It's not always the best thing. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But once you grow, you start to get some growing pains. Um, mm. And it's not for everybody. And I guess the background that you both have, especially both in um, uh, you, Maddie, with uh, being able to distribute people around correctly and, you know, organise that way, and you, Christy, with your marketing background, people that don't have that sort of background, how do they get started? Um, some tips and tricks and things like that that may help them? Mm, good question. I, know. I think ideally the key is, and you'll hear this, I'd say from pretty much any business coach is to one, know exactly who your market is. First of all, okay, how do you do that? Hmm. I think like, so this is our experience yeah. because we came into this industry with um, very little knowledge. Um, we sort of felt into the market. So we sort of, we were sort of, I suppose, advertising it everyone. And, and one thing we learned very quickly is when you, when you market to everyone, you're actually marketing to no one. So we're getting a bit of here, there and everywhere. Yep. But one thing I did look at was trends, um, you know, who was, you know, who was buying the way that we advertise. Like we, we used Google AdWords at the time back in the day where, you know, we were actually being advised not to. Yep. Um, but what I did was I looked at who was buying in the moment. So um, quite quickly I recognised that, 
the the homeowners, the decision-making process sometimes is a little bit longer than the people that are moving out. Um, And for us in that moment, it was, you know, trying to decide which market we wanted to go down. And if we had the experience to market to the high-end market or the low-end market. So we started off in a space that we felt comfortable in and a space that we felt we could um, authentically service. So, so there's a process in doing that. What's some of the processes that you took to actually start doing that? How did you identify, I guess that's the biggest thing, identifying yourself, what you can and we, can't do? We basically just tried everything, yep. um, like machine gun fire. I had kids after school, like our kids after school, walking around the streets delivering pamphlets. So yep. we tried everything until we found something that worked. Yep. Um, we also had that adequate level of desperation. I had four, four kids to feed and a wife to, and, a, and a house to support. So yeah. I was willing to do whatever it took to bring money in. Um, and then eventually we found our fit in the marketplace. Um, what we were able to do and what we were willing to do what, married up well. What was the time frame? do you think, from starting to that point where you said, we really need to have a look at our strategy? Was it mm. something that happened quick or was it an over time, six months or...? You just got one day and said. I feel that it took a couple of years of working seven days a week, taking whatever work came my way, never saying no. Yeah. Um, I think it actually felt like a couple of years, but if I if I remember correctly, because we're going back quite a while. Um, we so we started with a company that was a national company and. Um, that company folded folded, and we had to find our feet quite quickly Um, and the process that took. We, I would suggest, I think it was about, to be fair, I think it was about nine months before we realised we we either have to decide if we want to work in the business or on the business. And our mindset was all along that, we, and we knew and we understood that if we wanted the business to grow um, in a sustainable way, we needed to work on the business. So we needed to somehow work out how we take ourselves out, how we gain the skills to grow and what was needed. So I think, I think for us it was probably maybe nine months, possibly 12 months um, for us to have that realisation. But then there was this point of fear, right, mm. because... I think our, our, our situation was a little bit different to most. And when we stepped out of the business, out of, the, out of our jobs into this business, people, you know, were of the mindset back then that you need to have, you know, 12 months behind you and, you know, it's going to take 12 months to build up. That wasn't our experience. Our experience was from the first week we were fully booked. Wow in the way that we were advertising, um, it wasn't something we knew. It felt like something we stumbled upon. But the smartest thing I did back then was I knew that I wanted to advertise with AdWords. I wanted to trial AdWords. So how did that come about? I knew about? that I wasn't in a space to do it and I hired a professional to do that for me. How, how did that come about where you knew? Because as you said before, AdWords was something new. How did you know you yeah. were going to go down that pathway? And what, what, what year are we talking about here? How long ago? Now you're testing me, Phil. Um, let's um, probably 2008, I would say. Yep. 
about 2008, roughly. Okay. Um, how did I know? The company that we had originally um, worked for, so Matt was on the road with them and I was, um, I ran the Queensland office. Yep. And I, like, AdWords, it was only a new thing, right? So it was a lot of trial and error. And I had been suggesting to them that the business needed to change the way that it was, that it was like it, um, bringing in business okay. because it didn't feel sustainable. And I could see that by the numbers that were pulling in the call center. And um, AdWords was this new thing. And I suppose it was, you know, it was really like quite an unknown back then. And they put a hundred dollars a month on now. Now anyone that does AdWords now knows that that's, not a lot of money, but back then a hundred dollars could get you quite, you know, a decent amount of return. Mm. However, this was a national company. It wasn't like, yeah. you know, it wasn't a sole trader or anything like that. So um, I saw numbers coming in, but I didn't feel that the amount of investment that was being made was enough to make a decision. And I knew that there was a risk. And I, when we sort of left, I was prepared to take that risk. So I put my hand up, um, you know, at this stage, Matt and I had sold our business. Uh, sorry, sold our house and invested wow. in the business. So we had a little bit of money behind us, Boy. and it it actually paid off. So I knew that if I, I knew that I needed to know my numbers, so I needed to know how much I was spending and how much was you know I needed to know the ROI, the return on investment. Yeah. And back then, I knew that if I spent one dollar on AdWords, that I would bring a hundred dollars in. Now right. that dollar amount has changed a since then. A lot. It's a lot lower because the market's a lot more competitive. But um, you know, there wasn't a lot of people advertising on AdWords back then. Right. No. So, so that brings up another um, great skill there. RIA, you said, like, uh, return on investment. Okay. Yeah. Um, for people in the market that are just starting, it, it's very important to understand that concept. Absolutely. And I think it. It think that concept bypasses a lot of people. So mm -hmm. it's one of those things you have to be able to understand not only the cost going out, but the cost to service that as well. Yeah. Um, so when people say, you know, return on investment, a dollar out for a hundred in. Mm. So you have to look at your business there as well. And so that's, that's a whole new topic in itself, but it's a very interesting topic. So um, mm. thank you for bringing that one up. I didn't have that one down in my notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and possibly, I like to keep you on your toes. Yeah, no, I've wrote it down. Don't worry. <laughs> and possibly one of the biggest mistakes we made was um, at being a, a sole trader, like just being a one man band, um, throwing money at things and not uh, having a value on myself or my yeah. services. Mm. So I was selling, giving myself away for too cheap. I wasn't actually making any money, I was building a reputation for myself. Yep. Uh, I felt I was doing an investment uh, that way, but um, the biggest thing is not taking into account all of the, the expenses it the takes to costs. the operating costs yeah. that it, you have. You, as a sole trader, you feel uh, that your time isn't worth it, or you devalue yourself and will give your services away for free. It's a classic mistake I was making back in the day, uh, and it wasn't until I was able to get out of the business working every day that I was able to see that. And I don't think that's changed from 2008 to 2020. So no, exactly it's, right. it's um, and I think yeah. it's a realization people have to have. And 
again, it's when you come into your business and you realize, hey, I'm working seven days a week. I'm working mm. twelve hours a day. Is this a job or is this, you know, am I building something? And it, most yeah. people, it's a job because all they're doing is yeah. working for a wage. So it, I think it's very important to understand that um, that concept. And we have touched about it in previous um, podcasts as well, so people can go back and listen to those. So. So you said you sold your house um, to have some sort of investment capital behind you. Mm-hmm. Was there a point of time when you started your business, you've sold your house, you're out there working seven days a week, this is not for me? Or did you always have that drive? <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. We, <laughs> we kind of always had that drive. So when we, the, one of the ra- main reasons we wanted to step out, and we were already talking about this before we had left the other business, was that you know we had a family and we wanted to create and this is going back before cloud-based you know like the cloud-based software right we wanted to create a business that we knew that if we left for a week on holidays with the kids that the business would still operate and we wouldn't have to come back and be chasing our tails um because you know we we had somehow created a business that was pretty much, you know, press play. This is going back to the AdWords and stuff. We could just press play and stop whenever we wanted to, but we didn't want to press stop. We wanted to make sure that that kept rolling because when we press stop, there's still like a pickup period, right? So if we press stop this week and we go away for two weeks, there's still like a period of two weeks after that to ramp back up again. Right. So um yeah that that was basically what we wanted to create and we did that the process for that did you have a process did you make a process did you borrow yeah we made it we made the whole process and it wasn't until we actually took a holiday we got somebody in to answer the phones and we were on a beach somewhere drinking a beer going how good is this (laughs) we are actually sitting on a beach drinking a beer and everything is still going back home right that's that's when it kicked in that was the point of realization yeah, and I think, like, for us, it was a matter of going, right, how do we do this? What do we need to do yeah. to, you know, to create our dream? And Matt and I have always invested in self-development. Yeah, always. Right. You know, I've, I mean, even now I've got a, a sideline business yeah. that is a coaching business where I help women. So I can see, I know, and I understand the value in hiring people or coaches to help with a process, right? And the, the best thing we ever did was do um, a course. It was like, I think it was called Turnkey. It was like a turnkey um, course. We were still on the road at this point. And when we went and had this um, discussion with them about, about doing this course, they said to us, you need to commit to one day a month coming in for a full day. And I remember the feeling inside of me going, you want me to what? <laughs> I have to stop working in my business for one day. And it felt like the whole world was going to collapse around me. And, you know, he asked me the question, well, you know, what if the business didn't need to stop? What if the business could keep going just for that one day a month? Like what's one day a month? So I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how we can make that happen. So we actually hired someone to come in. Like, remember, this is one day a month. This isn't even one day a week, right? She came in for that one day a month. The business sustained itself. It didn't drop. The sales didn't drop. Nothing, like, nothing untoward happened. 
And we finally had, like, even it was just that first time of going to this course and coming back and going, oh, my God, like. It's possible. How do we make this happen, like, on a weekly? Let's do it every day, yeah. Literally, within a week of that happening, we had um, advertised and hired two people to come into our office. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that point, Matt had overflow work, so we had already hired a subcontractor, like, you know, this is nine months into the business, right? Yeah. Matt had hired us like a subcontractor to take the overflow work um, for a percentage and, you know, we had that going and then he came off the road. We, we hired another subcontractor to sort of almost take his place and it, we've never looked back. Yeah. So it went from one day to sipping beers on the beach for seven days. That was pretty yeah. good. <laughs> well, we took, we took some time off. Uh, some time off just a couple of years ago where we were overseas for six months. Yep. I remember. And I saw the could, photos. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we could still check in, check on the numbers. Yeah. I was checking in. I was only working one day a week back then. So, yeah. yeah. And that, you know, the, the key for us, like that whole, the, it was, and it was all about safety and security. So back then we had found a, like the, the, you know, the VoIP cloud-based right. systems that they have now, there was still something like that. That was just, it was like, it was a lot more expensive than what it is now, but it, and it was right in the infancy, but that's what we brought on board. And we did that because if anything happened in the office and we needed to jump on the phones, we still had our computers, we still had internet connection. And there were times that, you know, we would need to jump onto the computer and, and be on phone calls. And we could do that from anywhere in the world. And we've literally done that. Yeah. So I guess that's yeah. that's jumping down from 2008 to I think that was about 2018. That's yeah. 10 years yeah. in that process. Even last year, last yeah. year we were in Greece for 6 weeks and wow. yep. you know I'm sort of stepped away more from the business now and Matt is still fully in it, but he was able to still get online and check in with the team, have the team meetings and do all of that from around the world like technology yeah. today anything is possible. And when you live in that realm of anything is possible, you just got to find a way. And you have that yeah. mindset, like anything is actually possible. I guess it's scary for people to give away some of that. Um, I don't know. It's mine, you know, like to give it to somebody else to run as well. Yeah. So releasing control yeah. was there yeah. was there a, a method that you've had to for that for your staff to train your staff to say, you know, we may be away for a week or two, but we can still keep an eye on you or. Was it just something that you did in your training or how did you do your training packages? I think that, so first of all, there was a process of letting go. Yeah. Second of all, there's a process that no one is ever going to work in your business as good as you can work in your own. Um, and when you, it, it's actually like for me, that was really quite hard. It actually took a couple of years for me to get that into my head because my expectations for people were so high. Yeah. So in a way for a while I was setting people up for failure because they, there was no way that they could live up to my expectations. So um, when I released that, things got a little bit easier, but there was always, you know, the process. So I basically created a system. I, I scripted everything. So, you know, my script, like our sales script, was just what I used to say. And I say the same thing now. If I walked into the office today, it's the same thing that I said wow. like 10 years ago. Okay. Exactly yeah. the same. Um, and the, even the same way I asked for the sale, you know, if the sales figures are down, the or not down, but if the, if the conversion is down in sales, I can look at, I can go in and I can listen to the girls on the phone and I, I know exactly most of the time, I know exactly 
it's how they're asking for the sale or it's the information they're not giving them or it's the tonality they're using. Um, so we go through all of that training. And, it, you know, there's a process from the start of the customer um, coming on board to, um, you know, right up to, re- yeah, right up to when they finish with us. What about yourself, So everything Matt? was systemized. I mean, you're, on the, you're out there on the road. How did you go about with training the technicians to understand what was going on in the office and then take that pressure away from you as well? I tried to give them crossover. So I bring the technicians into the office and I would um, take the girls in the office out into the field in order to get a better understanding of each other because it is an ecosystem where we are all reliant upon each other. There is no us or them. It's all us. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we we try to do the same with our business, but I think it's one of those things with businesses where they go, oh, I've got to take two people on the road or one. You know what I mean? Like it's that... um, like you did when you took that day off a month, you know, it's that yeah. financial burden. But I think yeah. it's something you have to do. It's yeah. people just have to do if they want to grow, I suppose, if they want to get out of the business yeah. and start yeah. working on the business. So, and, and just by doing it, they get a deeper level of understanding as to why we're asking the questions. That's right. Yeah. I'm asking the question, what level are you located on? Because I know what equipment I can send in. I have that in the back of my mind. By the time I've done the, the sales process and taken the booking, I already have it allocated to the right technician who has the suitable equipment to do yep. the job. So how did you go about, um, so you hired or did you have contractors that come on for the technical side? What was the, what was the process there? Have you done both? We've done both. We've tried both. Um, we use contractors at the moment. Most of them are responsible for their own education. Um, by getting subcontractors, I was able to find people who had their own equipment um, and could leverage off what we had, which was a booking system and a SaaS process. Yes. Uh, and when you're out there in the field, you can't always answer the phone. You can't even hear it ringing over the equipment sometimes. Mm. Uh, and that was the number one biggest thing for us was just to always have somebody answer the phone. Okay. Yeah. And, and you found the technicians were happy with that? Because, I mean, in my um, time as being, same, same sort of process that you guys have, was that the technicians don't want to answer the phone. They don't want to talk to the customer. Uh, they don't want to do those bookings. So they're happy to do the work, but that administration side, it's uh, it's very hard to find someone who can do both. So Yeah, yeah. definitely. And yeah. I think, you know, there's two types of people um, that come into this industry and, you know, both of them have very good work ethic. Um but I think that there's a separation between, you know, someone that is prepared to, to take the phone calls and, you know, go through all the administration stuff. And then there's the people that just, you Hands know, that on. don't want to do that. Yeah. And that's perfectly okay. That's where I feel the subcontractor model yeah. um, is quite, a, you know, it can be quite a healthy model um, when both of them work symbiotically with each other. So, you, you know, you've got the one that wants to really sort of drive the business and do the admin and the sales and the marketing and you've got the other one that, you know, still probably, I would say, has a similar work ethic. Yeah. They just don't want to do the admin stuff so they can, you know, feed it. They, they actually, you know, help each other out in a way. Yeah. And it's healthy for both parties that way too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to uh, marketing. So you said at the start you're walking around handing out flyers. Yeah. Um, did you ever try any radio ads or? Yes. Yeah, you did. I yeah. think we nearly went broke with the radio. Right. Ads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. 
<laughs> and charged us something like 10 grand. No, oh, it, it was, was ridiculous. more than that. It was, <laughs> uh, I'm too embarrassed to say. All right, and then but... what about the vouchers that we tried? The, um, uh, you know those cheap vouchers? The, the shopper dockets. The shopper dockets and the grab a, grab a deal, deal of the day, okay. um, catch a bargain, those sort of things. Right, eh? No. Awful. We've tried. We've tried everything, and do you know what I think? I think any, I think anything and everything can work if it's done properly, and if it's done at the right time in your business. So we did radio ads right at the start with the expectation we were going to be run off our phone with phone calls, and I literally think we probably got one phone call out of it. Right. So you know, to me now. What I learned from that was that that would be a really good way for an already established business to create credibility, to, you know, sort of just sort of be on the tip of other people's tongues, front of mind and that sort of stuff. Not so much from a sales perspective to drive, you know, the phone calls. calls. That was my experience, but that's the lesson that I took from it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, we had some successes, but we had a lot of failures too. Like any business, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you think you're so, going into this. How key is that, right? <laughs> oh, it is. You don't key. know until yeah. you try. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I, I think that's actually a really essential mindset that it's okay to feel the fear and, you know, that that might be created from testing and trying these different models, but... One, make sure that you've got something set up so you can really establish what your numbers are, like what you're spending and what your return is. Like you need to be able to track this stuff. Okay. Don't just sort of throw, you know, money at something and not have any way of knowing where that comes from. So, you know, for instance, even with our AdWords, we have, you know, we have different sites for different services and that one that helps us track to... um, you know, when when we receive um, when we receive the emails in or the phone, we've got different phone numbers so that the yeah, girls yeah. can see on the phone which site they're coming from, and it helps them also remind like it reminds them where to click on um, our CRM where that phone calls come from. So we we know where the phone calls come from. We know what services come from that phone call. So not only do we know where it's come from like say guardian right so guardian has upholstery and carpets we can then drive down in our crm what um what sales have come from guardian but then we can dive deeper what are our carpet sales and what are our upholstery sales and what are we getting on the return for each of those as well so um, always know your numbers and it's okay if you don't get a return always look at what didn't work. So yeah. what, what was my lesson in this? What didn't work? Why do we not think it worked? So again, um, you, you talked about CRM then. What, what yeah. point of time did you figure out that you needed some sort straight of... Straight away. Straight away. You brought it in straight, straight away. away. When we started filling the data page diary, yeah. <laughs> with handwriting, I still have the diary with all the handwritten notes and we started filling the pages. We, we're going to need a bigger diary. Yeah. <laughs> that's when we realized we had to do something yeah. Yeah. trying to send out jobs to guys that we'd written up in microsoft word and spelling errors and typos and that sort of stuff it just yeah yeah we like we knew straight away that we needed a crm there was a journey in that in itself because yeah. i didn't want to invest 
in bulky software because I I sensed the market changing, just like with the phones, it was all cloud-based. And I had a sense that the CRMs were going that way too. And there was a couple of CRMs that were out there. Um, we did try one. I can't even remember what it was called now. Um, but we used that for about two years and then we found awesome. Service Monster. So, um, you know, that's something that we've used. Which is a beautiful piece. Service Monster, that's out um, of the States, isn't it? Out of America? Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. Principal yeah. Focus. Yeah. So it? we don't do a lot of restoration work. So, you know, it, I think it, it can work with restoration, but it's definitely, you know, there's so there's so many other um there's so much other software out there that would support the restoration industry a lot better. But for general carpets, yeah. it, you know, it was really cost effective. It's actually still so cost effective for us. Um, when we've compared, so we've compared other CRMs. We, and this is this is the key, right? Yes, I'm not set. I'm not tied to that software for life. Yeah. Like I constantly, and Matt constantly so- looks at other options. Because if there's something better out there, I'd prefer to pay to transfer that data over to use something that's more user-friendly for the for the technicians, for the customer experience, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. So the CRM is really critical because your CRM is your business. Mm. Yeah. Like when you sell your business, you're selling your CRM. Absolutely. Like you're selling your, your customer data. Again, that brings us to another point then too is your your strategy of exiting. Uh, a lot of small businesses. <laughs> <Maddie>? <laughs> a lot of small businesses don't look at that side of things. Um, no. And and the you CRM strategy. Yeah, a CRM to start with. Uh, as silly as that sounds, to you know, with all those, uh, what do you say? All all those advantages that you have with it, there is an expense there. So, yes. and people sort of tend to forget that um, the most expensive part of what we do is actually our time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you can cut people's time down by, yes. yeah, by spending a little bit on um, some sort of something that's either been built or designed mm-hmm. or you can put a little bit of time in to gain a lot of return from, uh, mm-hmm. again, return on investment, people Absolutely. underestimate that side of the business. So, Yeah, and Phil, you know, you just touched on a really good point there because, um, you know, right back in the beginning when we were – writing it in the diary and then writing it out on mm. like a word document and emailing it off to the guys each night. If I was really set in my ways and I wasn't open-minded, I, like we could still literally be doing that now in our business, yep. right? Because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it can be quite overwhelming to learn new technology. Mm. And um, again, that was just feeling the fear about that and doing it anyway. Yep. Like the fear's always going to be there no matter what we do. And again, it's that point of, time that you have to put in like nothing comes easy nothing comes free so again you get a lot of people going oh they've done it i don't know how they did it or i can't afford to do that what they what they really don't understand is they can't afford not to do it that's exactly right if they want to step away so all right so you're, you're building a team now um what were some of your strategies did you have a point where you go Okay, we're going to go two technicians, five technicians. That's the most we're going to go. We're going to go. Okay, we're going to go national. Like you come from national company. <laughs> did you did you think about that? Was that a, a step? Right, you national. Yeah, yeah. I did. So we we so when we started, we okay. So when you know the turnkey service, so the turnkey course that I was talking about, yeah. 
we started with just us. We pulled ourselves off the road for one, one day a month, right? By the time we finished, so we went, like, we literally went from, I don't know, less than 100 grand a year, maybe 50 grand a year to 1.2 million by the end of that course. Wow. And we were awarded turnkey um, business of the year that year. And knowing what I know about that, that was really good that we like had expanded and had grown. But the thing is, as much as we had set up systems, we didn't realize that the faster you grow, mm. the more unstable the foundations are, they're not solid. Right. So we got to a point where, um, you know, our, our cost of operation to sustain the business was, it will be like, it wasn't sustainable anymore. And we had to make some really drastic changes in our business. Yeah. So that, that actually consisted of us pulling back, back and yep. scaling back and getting to a point where we were turning over less mm. and actually making more profit. Mm. So that comes back to that return on investment. We need to, we need to look at, you need to know your numbers. So you need to know your break even, you need to know um, what that return is and you need to be really aware of, you know, what, what that profit margin is. So for us, when we did that, we were like, okay, so we've done this, we've expanded, we've grown, we know what point we can get to. And we know that this system works. How do we make this in a sustainable way? And a couple of times we dabbled in expanding Australia-wide. Yep. Um, but we were not... Quality assurance became an issue because we yeah. were in the field to actually field complaints. Uh, you couldn't just jump out to a site to go and have a look. Um, these days, it's a little bit easier with video and photos. The clients can send us photos. We can address issues via email. Um, that's become a lot easier as time's gone by. Yeah. But that was one of the biggest challenges was quality assurance. Yeah. Sure, we can get all these jobs, we can book all of these jobs, but can we do them with and maintain the um, customer satisfaction? Yeah, and I think, you know, for us, it got to a point that we could do that if we chose to, but we had to sort of assess, you know, one, what, how much more do we want to put into this? Are we happy with where we are now? Um, you know, because we, we could have easily put people on in different states That's to right, sort of yeah. help maintain, but then, the, you know, the cost of operation is going up. And they say between 1 and 10 million is actually the hardest journey, both time, like your, your time, your energy, and money-wise. Right. Once you get to 10 million turnover, then it's, you know, I've sell. never got to 10 million. Sell. <laughs> I'm not sure I actually <laughs> want to take the journey there, to be, to, to be honest. But... um. Yeah, it really came down to a choice. So it's definitely possible, but to do that, you would definitely need like really rigid systems. You would need like quality assurance in place in every single state. You would, you know, need some sort of team backup like, and, and feed on the ground Yeah. because, you know, that's the thing that we found. It's really important to have feet on the ground that you can just go like here. We just go, yep, okay, Maddie's going out to this job to have a quick look at it, you know? And there's people that when they get the job you, and you say their name, you can trust it's going to get done right. Yeah. So I guess that, um, just for our listeners, that comes back to people always think it's better on the other side. You've been yeah. there, you've done that. Where do you feel comfortable? Where, where Are you comfortable now where you are in the business now? Are you comfortable 
smaller, a little bit larger. Where, where do you see yourself in the next, say, six months, 12 months, staying the same, growing a little bit? It's interesting, you know, because COVID happened and yeah. um, things shifted. Yeah. And again, like, I, I can't even. <laughs> we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the future yeah. holds. But the thing is, like, with our business, we ended up, again, working less. But again, our profit grew. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm happy with where it's at. I'm happy with where it's at. Okay. It, it's continuing along. Um, our daughter is actually running the business now. Um, so we've got an inheritance legacy. Yeah. Um, and, and it's ticking along in the background where we're free to pursue other, other avenues of interest. Okay. And that was a, a goal to start with, that there would be a concession plan, yeah? Yeah. Uh, always with the kids. Always had uh, okay. an idea of a business that the kids could work in if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, if they wanted to. One of them's held on to that. Yeah, only one. <laughs> um, but she's, you know, she does a really good job in the office, you know, and it, that was part of, part of, that is part of our exit strategy, which we were talking about before. The, yeah. the exit strategy is really important. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I think people forget that when they start a business, uh, you're going to be out of it at one point in time. So yeah. through one means or another. So, so, yeah. so and you know, like, even if you want the business, even after you've retired, like what happens at retirement? If you still want to work in the business up until retirement, you still need a plan for that business right. to sustain you afterwards. If you're not, you know, if you're not prepared to sell it or, you know. Yeah. Put your money press away. The button. Yeah. I don't know. Put your money away, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So what about now? Where, where do you find yourself now with marketing? Are you, is it your Facebook? Is that the way it's going now? I mean, I'm not Looks a. Like it. it is, yeah. Yeah. So this is this this is this funny time that I and I'm not sure. I think we had a chat about this um, recently, Phil. That when Matt and I first started out, and there was the Google AdWords, right? Yeah. And people were like, "Don't invest your money in Google AdWords." Waste the money. Like, Waste the money. You know, I'm like, well, we just stepped out of a job and into a full time business, literally within a week. Right. That's that says to me that that works, right? Mm. But it was finding the right way to do it. I hired a professional, right? Um, and we we invested the right amount of money to make like, you know, if we had invested ten bucks, we wouldn't have seen any return. Like you have to be reasonable. You have to be willing to invest. Facebook at the moment, I I'm getting a sense that it's at this precipice that it was when we when we entered the market with Google AdWords, they were going, oh, Facebook ads don't work. Yeah, they're working for some. They're working for some. So again, it comes back to those analytics, doesn't it? You've got to be able to track it. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you uh, have to track it. You have to if you're going to invest in it, you need to make sure you give it time. You need to make sure you hire. Don't do it yourself. Right. Like unless you're an expert in AdWords, or you go and do a course and are prepared to spend the time. Like to me, that's a waste of money. But you know, if that's your thing, then go for it. But make sure you educate yourself enough. So you understand how ads work. Like I have a, I, I feel I have a very good understanding how Google AdWords work and how Facebook ads work. And there's various different strategies, but I would never go and do them myself. Like I pay an expert because one, Google and Facebook change their algorithms oh, and the way they do yeah. things constantly. I don't want to invest my time in 
upgrading my skills constantly in that department when my time in my business is better spent elsewhere. I'm better off paying someone that does that for a living. Yeah, absolutely. And that comes down to valuing yourself in your business as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. So, so where, where do you find now um, your marketing strategy? Is it still the same? I don't know it's going on different platforms. Are you still marketing to the same people? Is it a different yeah. marketing strategy? Yeah. It is? Why, why fix something that's not broken? Okay. So your market is the residential market. Can you give um, some key words, some phrases, who you're targeting? Like if someone was going to do this, they wanted to go to somebody – what would yeah. what would somebody say to a professional? Hey, I'm looking at marketing through Facebook, Google. Um, yeah. You need these keys. What are some of the tips and tricks that you might have found over the years that work, and maybe don't don't work that you thought it may have worked? Do you mean? Um, can you rephrase that question? Yeah. So so um, are you, you're you're investing your your money into a uh, people that are bond cleaning. Let's say bond cleaning. So yeah. they're moving out. So they're not going to be maybe return customers. So yeah. they're a one-off customer that may be moving away in a state just out of your uh, area that you're cleaning. How do you market yeah. those opposed to somebody that you want to have as a constant, you know, you want to market yeah. once opposed to marketing for 10 we, to keep that person coming back? We market to everybody like we want to keep them coming back. Lifetime value of a customer is very important. Okay. That way you don't have to keep buying ads for somebody that uh, hasn't used you before. And we have a we have a thirty percent um, return. You do need to keep marketing to people that are moving out, though. Yeah, because so they're going to move again. Is it different? So people, the way so you market. That are moving out, first of oh. all, um, they want the cheapest. That they're, they're generally price driven. Okay. Right. And they're going to constantly look for quotes. That's just my experience, you know, of 12, 13 years of dealing with people moving out. Um, they're definitely cost-driven. The homeowner, however, wants someone that is trustworthy, reliable, someone that they're comfortable at bringing into their home. Yep. So... You, like for us, you get them from AdWords, but you continue to remarket to them, whether it's through texts, because um, a lot of people are doing text now, email marketing. Um, I'm not a big believer in over-marketing. Some companies can over-market. I think you need to find a balance that's right for you and your business, but they need to, you know, they need to feel loved and welcomed. So um, we market to our clients, I think, every, every quarter. Your return clients, yep. Email, yep. Um, so within our, you know, within service months, we sit up, we just set up email campaigns and dates and times and, and give it rules and stuff and, um, you know, then coming up to Christmas and stuff like that. But we do want them to hear from us so much that um, they click unsubscribe either. So, right. and then the, in, the, in the early days, we were looking at doing a newsletter. Like, who the hell wants to hear a newsletter from their carpet cleaner? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> So well, you gotta you gotta pick what you're trying to tell them as well. So yeah. so when you're marketing, do you, as you said, you got Christmas coming up. Do you do a different yeah. advertising bank for Christmas? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. to every single person that has ever used us, we will send out um, a Christmas campaign. So it'll be you know whatever whatever special whatever special. So um, for instance, maybe it's upholstery cleaning. You know, you're the family coming with a rug, like rug cleaning or something. Is is your lounge room rug? clean and ready for the family to arrive or yeah. 
mattress cleaning if you've got guests coming or something like that. So um, we would create a campaign based on the needs of that person at that particular time. So whether it's Christmas or, um, you know, winter, spring. Yep. So, so look, at, look at your audience, look at the time of year it is, look yep. at what you're available to do as well, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You, you, what you're skilled to do. Yeah. So, yeah. so that will all come into that side of things. So, yeah. so that'll that's part of the uh, phone process that you haven't stalled with your admin staff, is it? That there's going to be a follow up email, or is that something you drive on the phone side of stuff as well? Yeah, definitely. You mean in the sales side? Yeah. So when yeah, they, when definitely. they answer the phone, yeah. Yeah, I think this is something a lot of businesses fail right. to do, and if they're failing to do this. They're leaving money at the door. So um, our system is set up that when they um, they enter the sale, we send off, we, we either close them on the phone, send off an estimate if we don't close them. Um, and if we don't close them a week later, they get a, a reminder email. Um, and then I and think we follow we do follow up with phone calls for a, for a period of time. Um the service monster allows the girls to do callbacks. So it bring, they go into a callback thing and they just bring up um, the phone calls, the jobs or whatever. Um, and I think we advertise, I think we, sorry, I think we send emails for three weeks and then we do, is it um, the seven word email? I think Joe Polish. Polish talks about a seven word email, which is basically something like, do you still, do you still want this? Do you still want Carpets cleaned soon or something like that. It's, it has to be seven words. I right, can't remember okay. what we write, but it's seven words, and that's it. It's super simple. And actually, we get more people that reply back yes or no to that one right. than any others. I think there's something in that, then, isn't there? <laughs> like totally. Yeah. All right. Totally. So, what what have you learnt over the years you've been in business? What are the good things? Some of the bad things. Uh, things you would try again that didn't work the first time? Is it a, something like that? Or are you still happy within the business? You've been doing it for a while now. <laughs> Maddie, <laughs> this is a, a Maddie <laughs> question. <laughs> I, I still like it. I still love it. I, it. I find it very um, Zen Buddhist meditation when I'm cleaning. So I love it. Um, I don't particularly like the admin side of it. Um, Christy, that's so we've got a good team here that works. So my daughter is six she's succeeded, she's my succession line yeah. <laughs> as I've stepped away to do other things. But yeah, it's look, Phil, it's a really good business. Like, you know, it gives us a it gives us an amazing lifestyle for yeah. starters. And people are always gonna find somebody to do stuff that they don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is one of those things. And, you know, for us, we wouldn't have this amazing lifestyle if we didn't have the mindset that we do have. Yeah. yeah. So, And you know, I was prepared. I am still prepared to roll up my sleeves and get dirty. Like, I, I get into it whenever I've got to. Yeah. Um, I choose not to these days. <laughs> exactly. It's, I'm the same. <laughs> have a look at me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we've got to start wrapping this up, but uh, I want sure. to take away a few key points. Uh, like... Is there something as far as technology today that you, that wasn't available when you first started that you wish you would have had? Um, I, no, 
because the phones, man, the phones. Yeah, mobile. These are little personal computers right there in your pocket. You can take photos to back yourself up, to cover yourself. Um, you take photos before and after the job. Um, take photos of where you leave a key. Yeah, probably the photos are still. Cameras, yeah. yeah. I think, like for us, I don't know. Like my my brain works really oddly, but it's benefited us in the past and you know being open and noticing trends mm. has served us really well yeah so i feel that what we've set up has was created or what we created when we started setting it up is now exactly what we need so you know i don't i don't live with regrets i never have so i'm not quite sure how to answer that lessons maybe um don't spend money on radio. <laughs> 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 um, you know, but that was a huge lesson. Like, yeah. who knows? I could have spent a shit ton more. Uh, a shit ton more. No, it's um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the real Christie's finally coming I out. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would never have heard the end of that. I could have spent a shed tin more yeah. money on ads, you know, five years ago if I hadn't have made that mistake. Back then, I don't. I don't ever look at anything as a negative. And you don't need to be perfect at everything. You need to know enough not to get ripped off, uh, especially when it comes to sales and marketing, dudes. Uh, every day, I'm getting emails from Sanjeev in India. I'm an SEO dude. Come call me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just. Yeah. I was actually listening. Maybe, to maybe I would have. Uh, actually, there you go. There's a lesson. I would have got um, someone better. One thing that. I really didn't take the hands off much for a very long time was the websites. It was like my little baby. Right. We had a few bad experiences um, with people that had worked on our website. Um, like is it, there is a competitor out there at the moment that um, built our website and was an SEO person saw what we were doing and how it worked and copied it it completely. And that's fine. It's not mine. He copied it. That's fine. But that kind of burnt me for a long time. And, you know, I wish him well. Um, Him or her. I feel a bit, you know, I feel a bit like, oh, maybe I'm doing, you know, maybe we're doing that good that someone wants to duplicate it. Like, that's okay. But it kind of, like, made me pull the reins on and I'm like, "Who, who am I giving my work to? Like, you know? They they can see what we're spending on AdWords. They they were he, this person was working on SEO. They were working on our AdWords, and they were doing it very closely with me because I do work very closely with my AdWords person. I I haven't handed it over fully until maybe two years ago. Now I just have someone that just does it, and I check in with them. We have a meeting, and and check that's reports, it. Check the reports. Check Okay. Um, I don't helicopter parent that anymore. Um, that would probably be my only regret. I, I wouldn't even call it a regret, but you know, it was a it was a lesson that took me a while you to learn. Have given range that that right. No, no, it yeah. totally makes sense. It's, again, it's your baby. You you know, you you yeah. want to see the best for it, and no one does it better than obviously yourself. So yeah. Um, was there anything that uh, you could maybe supply as far as? Uh, a gold nugget for someone just starting out on 
Facebook, that's that's where you want to go now. Would you still want to go Google? What about YouTube? Oh, I think Google is still there, but, you know, you need a bit of capital. To, it depends on how big you want to go. Facebook, go Facebook. Go Facebook? Yeah, because you're a lot more connected. As a, as a sole trader starting out, you're a lot more connected to your audience straight away. You can upload photos and that sort of stuff. I would definitely be doing yeah, Facebook more definitely if it was me so in the field. Sure. But you've got, like, you've got Facebook, Insta, um, TikTok. I'm, like, TikTok, I'm looking at TikTok at the moment and like seriously, the stuff you can do in there is awesome. You know, and that it's it's all just keeping social um, is a full-time job, right. obviously. You know, how, how often do we get stuck in our phones and, and stuff? That's I not st- even with our business. I don't, still don't know how to use any of those things. It's a full-time job it's and this is, yeah. this is, it is, and this is, this is that evolution piece. This is a bit that's changing, you know, businesses are starting to employ people full-time to work solely on social. Wow. So um, keep your eye on it. If you're going to invest in it, hire an expert, make sure it's someone that, ha- you know, don't just go read reviews, like speak to people Go, you know, if you're net, if you're in net, you know, networking groups and stuff, find out who people are using. If you if you're seeing your local restaurant person coming up in your feed all the time, like go to them and go, hey, who are you using? Because whoever they're yeah. using is really good because they're, you know, yeah, it's coming up in your feed. So it's someone that knows, you know, pretty much what they're doing. So definitely do that and. And invest in yourself, continuous improvement. The biggest uh, problem I saw in the industry when I was going out to um, the guys that think they know everything Mm. and so they're completely shut down. They don't want to think about anything new. uh, And and maybe they did, but like, you know, even the cleaning industry evolves, right? And there's new ways to do things. So I think above all else, the thing that helped Matt and I move the way we did in our business was the fact that we invested in ourselves, not just in um, knowledge with the industry, but business coaching and personal development. Like we, we've invested like hundreds of thousands of dollars in coaches Mm. and, you know, whether that has impacted Actually, it hasn't just impacted our business. It's actually created a really good life for us because we're able to um, think outside the box and see the world in different eyes. Um, guys, thank you very much for today. I really appreciate it. Some great nuggets out of there for those that are just starting, those that have been in business for a while, um, those that uh, think they're doing a good job and maybe they're not, stay positive. Um Matt and Christy, you're the most positive people I've ever come across in this industry <laughs> by far. Uh, that's why we love you. And everybody that I know says the same thing. Everyone loves you too. So thank you very much for your time. I uh, hope everyone – uh, I really appreciate it. So and I hope everyone really starts to look at their business in a different uh, way after today. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk yeah. again oh. so- shortly. Bear hugs. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> no worries, guys. I do appreciate it. By assessing this podcast, I acknowledge that the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk.
This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, or surface, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in these podcasts do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast, or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and all links referenced herein. Moreover, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty that this podcast or the server that makes it available is free of viruses, worms, or other elemental codes that manifest contaminating or destructing uh, properties. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast.